kind of got into worship a lot. My voice is a little... <laughs> it's all right. I'll make it through. We good? All right. So, Lord, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we just love you. Thank you for such an awesome time of worship. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Lord, we thank you for an open heaven and your glory here tonight. Holy Spirit, we just bless you and thank you for coming and anointing and empowering this time. But, Father, we just bless you and thank you so much for the Word of God. And, Lord, I pray by the Holy Spirit that you'll move upon everybody that's going to be hearing this tonight. Y'all help me pray this tonight. I thank you, Lord, the Holy Spirit, to move upon every one of us, all that are going to hear this, all that are going to watch this or listen to this through a podcast, through Vimeo, whatever. I thank you, Lord, for moving upon them even now to help all of us to give you our best year, our full attention, our focus, that we'll get locked in and be good, fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives, and that the Word of God will be spoken through me as living seeds of truth sown into that good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, and will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. Lord, I thank you for your Word being like a hammer that breaks through the strongholds, a sword that penetrates. The washing of the water of the Word in the light of truth shining that dispels the darkness. I thank you for the wind of your spirit carrying this seed everywhere it needs to go among the nations. And this will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. <coughs> and we stand on the promise it will not return void. So we know the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So river of life is agreement with me. Father, we submit this unto you. We resist the devil. We bind up anything of the enemy that would try to hinder this word in any way from getting where it's supposed to be and accomplishing what it's supposed to do. We bind you now. We command you to back off in Jesus' name right now. And I thank you, Lord, for your angels clearing that out. And, Lord, everything will be accomplished in and through this time that your will to be done. We believe it. We expect it. As two agree on earth is touching this, we believe it to be so. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so last week I talked about the mystery of iniquity. And everybody deals with some level of this, I believe, because it's not only from our sin, but it's generational. And many times iniquity is under the surface. It's something that you don't see, you don't realize is there. It's something deep down, and God has to reveal it to you by his spirit. It kind of lies under the surface. So I can't go back into that, but iniquity is something within that is a, a twisting, a contorting, if you will, of your nature and it is something that, you know, gives maybe an, an, in a very negative way, like an affinity toward something that's not good. It may be there's some kind of subtle thing in there that draws people toward ungodly substances. It maybe draws them toward like some kind of a fascination with the occult. It may, they struggle deep down. They really struggle with lust and, and sexual desires, sometimes even really perverted stuff that they wonder, why, why is that even there? But see, there's something iniquitous in there. And it could be any number of things. Bitterness, I can't go back into that from last week. But that is an area that many times is not seen. And people are dealing with it. But Jesus was bruised for our iniquity. And I believe that right now, I'm probably going to say this a couple times through this sermon, but I believe in River of Life right now, as people have been humbling themselves in prayer and bringing in that element of fasting, I believe that this is a time to press in because many people are experiencing breakthroughs right now, and I've been hearing about it. There's testimonies because the power of prayer and fasting. And if you want to be purged from deep-seated things that you don't understand, let me tell you how to do it. If you'll humble yourself, get on your face in prayer and fasting. 
and say, Lord, show me what am I dealing with? Please hear me. Why am I dealing with this? Reveal it to me. Show me. And how do I get through this? On the other side, I humble myself in prayer and fasting. God will cause things to begin to come up, and revelation will come. During this fast, how many of you guys, things came up in your mind that you hadn't thought about in years? You see what I'm saying? Stuff like that. God will bring things up. He'll bring things up that's been in your family. And all of a sudden, it's like this blinder is removed, and you see, okay, I understand now what I'm dealing with and why I'm dealing with it. And the Lord will give you a strategy on how to get on the other side. If you're dealing with iniquity... If you'll get on your face in prayer and fasting, say, Lord, I repent of this iniquity in me and in my blood. It's in my family. I ask you to take this out by the roots and kill it. Let your Holy Spirit come live through me where I'm a different person. I promise you, if you'll stay with that, God will do that. He'll take it out of you. And you'll find yourself totally different. You used to struggle. It was repetitious. It was frustrating. You didn't understand. But there's something about that humility, prayer and fasting that will get that out. And then there's a freedom on the other side of that that is unbelievable. The Bible says about Jesus, John said, he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He'll take it out of you where you don't deal with it anymore. It is for freedom that Christ sets us free. And so the Lord wants us free. That's iniquity. So I've got to kind of move on from that. But many times where there is iniquity, because of the iniquity, There'll be some kind of a curse and some kind of a, maybe a stronghold there. It's entrenched. It's stubborn. There's even some infested spirits that are there, and it's a stubborn thing. It seems like you've prayed about it. It won't move. But these kind come out, but by prayer and fasting. And this is the time for some stubborn things to break loose. All right, so I'm going to deal tonight. Last week, I dealt with iniquity, and I dealt with the deep consecration. And what an amazing time. The power of God was hitting people on the altar in an unbelievable way. The, the time of water immersion, people in River of Life are just hungry. People show up, and, and as we water baptize people, the power of God was hitting people. They're getting delivered of things. It's awesome. So I'm moving kind of from that now to this sermon. It's kind of a dovetailing into this. And I, I haven't preached on this in years, but I really felt the Lord wanted me to. And I'm going to deal with the three basic steps of deliverance. And the first thing that you have to do to be free is you have to cancel the legal permission of the enemy. You have to. Sometimes people will take authority over something. They're, they rebuke it, whatever words you want to use. They take authority. They command it to leave. Yet, it seems like it won't budge. And they don't understand why is this thing so stubborn? Well, have you considered that maybe there's some kind of an unseen legal permission that the enemy has there, okay? So when Jesus was ministering, I want you to remember that Jesus in Luke 5.23, he said to this guy that was there that was a paralytic or whatever, he said to him or the people around him, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or say, get up and walk? And then he said to the crowd there, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. Everybody say, forgive sins. See, that's the key. See, Jesus is kind of judge and jury, if you will. He, he had heaven's authority invested in him to be able to pronounce somebody's sins were forgiven. Therefore, whatever 
came into their life from that sin, they could be liberated right there, you see. So Jesus said, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to, to bring healing? And he said, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. And immediately he got up before them and picked up what he was lying on and went home glorifying God. And all that were there were struck with astonishment and began to glorify God. They were filled with fear, saying, we have seen a remarkable thing today. And so let me switch to another story. And um, this was when Jesus went to the pool that the angel would come down and stir the waters, and the first person in the water was healed. And there was a man there that was paralyzed. He had been there for a long time. And Jesus comes up to this guy and says, hey, do you want to be healed? And the guy said, of course I do, but here's the thing. The angel comes and stirs the water, and there's nobody to put me in there. So I, and Jesus said, look, he said, just pick up your mat and go. And the guy was healed instantly at the word. Let me say the word. You see, the word of the Lord. And so Jesus sent his word and healed him. He, he stood up, healed, rolled up his mat, went home. Now, later, listen to what it says, though. This is very important with where I'm going with this tonight. John 5, 14, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse comes upon you. Did you see that? So there's something about this in James. Uh, the book of James talks about if somebody is sick or whatever, have them come down. The elders will anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith will bring healing to the sick. And if the Lord, if they've committed any sin, it will be forgiven them. And so there's something about this that's so powerful that the forgiveness of sins was connected to the healing. Or I would say also the deliverance. Now, let me bring this out. How many knows when Jesus died on the cross, he died for the sins of the world, yet has everybody in the whole world accepted their forgiveness of sins? No. It has to be taken by faith, doesn't it? In the same way, when Jesus died on the cross, he took stripes on his back. His back was literally plowed open. Blood came from his back. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed. It's past tense. Jesus paid for healing. But how many of you guys, since you've accepted Christ, have ever battled a sickness? Of course. How many of you have known somebody that's battled a sickness? So just because Jesus paid for it, we still have to lay hold of it by faith. You see, you got to lay hold of the promises of God. In the same way, Jesus paid for our deliverance. In Galatians 3.13, the Bible says, Cursed is anyone who's hung on a tree. He hung there nude on a tree on the cross. Blood dripped from his body. He hung there for six hours, and he paid the price for us to be delivered from the devil's bondages, strongholds, curses, every infested spirit. He, he paid for our deliverance, but you have to lay a hold of it by faith. It was paid for, but you've got to press in for it and not give up. How I many knows Jesus taught us to ask and keep asking? Seek, keep seeking. Knock, keep knocking. You don't give up. You press in and lay hold of what Jesus paid for us to have. So there's times when there's going to be these things that we all go through in life, whether it be some kind of a battle in health or deliverance or whatever, but the Lord will see us through it. He paid for our victory, but we've got to lay hold of it. Now, 
One of the things I would say, this first point that I want to bring home is this. We've got to deal with the legal ground that the enemy has had. The first thing that the enemy has some kind of legal permission is because of unforgiveness. So that's the first thing. So we've got to make sure that we forgive everybody from our hearts and there's nothing in us because if we don't forgive other people, we ourselves will not be forgiven. So there is an aspect there of unforgiveness that opens the door for the enemy to attack, okay? So everybody say unforgiveness. The second one is disobedience. In Deuteronomy 28, 15, it says that all these blessings will come if you obey, but all these curses will come if you disobey. And we know in Scripture, Jesus taught us, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So there is an obedience factor. And we need to ask ourselves, are we truly living in obedience to God's word? Are we faithful in areas of, of coming to his house? Are we faithful? Are we in the center of God's will in our lives? Are we faithful in things like giving? Are we faithful in every area of doing what we're supposed to be doing and not doing what we're not supposed to be doing? Are we living in obedience to God? Because if we're living in disobedience to him, that is rebellion, isn't it? And that right there is a door for the enemy. So the door number one is we've got to forgive everybody from our hearts. Door number two is we've got to be living a life of obedience. And door number three of the enemy is repentance of sin. We've got to make sure that we confess and repent of our sins. And I would say our iniquity, what I talked about last week. So if there's sin, if there's some kind of an iniquity there, and it's not dealt with, that is a legal permission. So the enemy has a right to continue until it's dealt with. But once we really get on our face before God and say, Lord, I see that this area I haven't forgiven, and you forgive them. When you get on your face before God and say, Lord, I see this area of my life, I haven't been obedient. Or you get on your face and say, Lord, I see that there's this sin, there's this iniquity that's in me here and I see it, and Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I repent. Wash me in the blood. Once you truly deal with that, you've got to have faith that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You've got to have faith. And so now that you are forgiven and you're in right standing with God, now you have authority to begin to drive out the enemy. Before, it seemed immovable, but now it's going to begin to move. So number one is you deal with that legal ground. That's when many times when I'm going through things, I pray, Lord, what am I dealing with? Why am I dealing with it? And how do I get on the other side? And fasting really brings a dimension there of revelation and authority. It's just an awesome thing. So as we get on our face, Lord, what am I dealing with here? Why am I dealing with it? Is there some unforgiveness? Is there disobedience? Is there sin? Am I just under an attack? Why am I dealing with this? And how do I get on the other side? God will begin to bring revelation to you. All of a sudden, things will come up in your mind that you haven't thought about or maybe you didn't understand. But how many knows that he will give us understanding if we ask him? He is faithful to show us. But there's something, please hear me tonight. You guys are doing this. So that's why I'm trying to encourage it. But the prophet Daniel 
prayed and fasted for 21 days, but it was a partial fast, even a partial fast. Great revelation came to him. I mean, the angel Gabriel showed up and just walked him through the end times. I mean, great revelation came. And also great breakthrough in warfare to the degree that even Michael the archangel was sent to break things open. So here's the thing. If we will humble ourselves in prayer and fasting, God will give us revelation and he will bring a breakthrough for us. All right. So number one, cancel the legal permission. Think about it. Is there areas of disobedience? Is our, in, in that realm of disobedience, is our home in order? Is, is a husband, am I leading in righteousness? Am I leading the way I need to lead? Wives, am I really submissive in all things? Children, am I honoring my parents and obeying them and doing right? You know, it, we need to make sure that our lives are obedient because in that place of righteousness, the enemy has... I want the, the devil to have to admit, I don't have anything in him. And that's what Jesus said. The prince of this world is coming, but he doesn't have anything in me. How many want the enemy to have to admit that about you? Like, I want to attack them, and I want to do this, but I can't find a way in because they're living obedient to God. They've repented of their sin. They're walking in forgiveness, and they, they spend time with God. They're under the blood. There's something I, the devil's like, I'm having a really hard time here getting through to them and to their kids. All right, the second thing, after you cancel the legal permission, is destroy the works of the devil. I love this. And I have felt so many times praying for people on the altars. I've been praying for people in the altar ministry and in one-on-one -on -one for more than two decades, thousands of people. And I have seen so many people hit by the power of God. And I have seen so many times where the works of the devil were destroyed. Things of, that were demonic fleeing. I've seen God do some awesome things. And I've also seen some strange manifestations of the enemy as he was driven out of people's lives. So I love this scripture about Jesus. So the first thing was we cancel legal permission. The second thing now is destroy the works of the devil. First John 3, 8 says this, the one who practices sin is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Isn't that a scripture that you just fall in love with immediately? Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Everywhere Jesus went on the earth when he was here physically, the works of the devil were destroyed in front of him. He would drive out evil spirits. He'd break the power of the enemy. The enemy would flee. And we read over and over how he destroyed the works of the devil. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the one right now, today, who wants to destroy the works of the devil against you. And not only that, but through us, Luke 10, 19, the Bible says Jesus was speaking now to us, okay? He's speaking to his followers, and he says, behold, I have given you authority, everybody say authority, to tread upon snakes and scorpions, and authority over all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. So we have authority over these things. You know, when a police officer, somebody's out there, they have authority to tell somebody to quit doing something. It's invested in them. They have authority. You have an invested authority in you as a Christian to begin to take authority over the enemy's influence. And I'm telling you, if you'll believe it and if you'll rise up and use your authority and keep using it 
If you have wayward kids or whatever, get up every day and say, look, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I don't care what you say, and I don't care what they're doing right now. You are not having my kids. I bind you. You will release them. They belong to God whether they know it or not right now, and they will be saved. I bind you. Release them. Get your hands off them. And you, every day, every day do it. Break the power of the enemy. Rise up in your authority, and eventually that will break through. But you've got to use your authority. And I've, I've so many times where we've had to take authority over things. And, but anyway, destroy the works of the enemy. So in that, Remember one more thing in Luke where it talked about Jesus when he was reading the scroll of Isaiah. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, bind up and heal the brokenhearted. But I love this. It says to release the captives and set those free in darkness. Jesus came to set people free. So these works of the devil that have been in people's lives, a curse tries to come and settle over somebody like some kind of a nasty garment. It wants to settle over. But whenever we repent of our iniquity, whatever it is that allowed that thing, we have authority now to release ourselves and others from curses. You see that? It's like taking off an old nasty garment, throwing it down. I am released from every curse. I release these people from the curse. Wherever that, but you've got to deal with the legal permission. Why is that thing there in the first place? Let me give an example. Maybe an individual. I've prayed for people. In fact, I could probably use this example. Okay, I'll, I'll tell some true stories. I just have to be careful with how I do it. But there was somebody one time that I was praying with them, and I was going through the altar ministry, and all of a sudden they start kind of manifesting. And I knew that it was a demonic thing. And just by the Holy Spirit, I remember just breaking off them, whatever the devils have, and I commanded that thing to leave. And when I'm functioning, sometimes the Holy Spirit will show me things. It's called a discerning of spirits. And I knew it was a spirit of witchcraft, and I command to leave. This person fell. They writhed a little bit, came out. And then when they got up, they told me later, you know, I, I felt something leave me, but said, I remembered when I was in high school messing around with witchcraft. You see, and it opened them up to that. And so they got delivered from the spirit of witchcraft. But it was, a, it was a destroying the works of the enemy. So here's how that worked. That individual, I led them to the Lord and the repentance of sin. So the legal permission was canceled. Do you see that right there? Then now I have authority to destroy the works of the devil. So I broke off them anything of the devil, and I commanded that thing to leave. And it left. So there's something there destroying the works of the devil. So many times I felt, whether it's curses or strongholds or bondages or whatever it is, the devil tries to set up strongholds in people. So I kind of described a curse. It, there can be generational curses or curses that come on people. Like if they go to a fortune teller or they mess around with illicit drugs or sexual activity, whatever, there can be a curse. But strongholds, strongholds come... And it tries to set up many times in people's physical bodies like a stronghold of infirmity. It doesn't want to move. There can be mental strongholds that somebody has thought a certain way for so long and it's wrong, but they thought that way and it, it's set up like cement in their mind that, that it's a mental stronghold. 
or they could have an emotional stronghold, so to speak, where they have been through something and they believed a lie of the enemy and they accepted something and they've lived perpetually wounded in a place like that and it's some kind of a stronghold there. And there can be other strongholds, but you get the idea. Something is set up like cement, but once you deal with that legal permission, you have authority to begin to break the power of that stronghold and just pull it down and destroy it. And it may take a little bit of time because mentally people have to begin to think a different way. You understand what I'm saying? If there was a mental stronghold that was a lie, you've got to quit thinking that way. But you have the power to pull those things down. Also, bondages many, many times. I've seen people that were in bondage to things, addictions to drugs or addictions to pornography or whatever. They had these bondages in their lives. And we took authority and broke that and things left people. So it's destroying the works of the devil, removing the curse, breaking down the strongholds, destroying the bondages, whatever it is the devil's had in their life, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And I pray that all the time over most people when I go through the altars, that one of the earlier things I'll say is, Lord, just anything that they're coming up against spiritually, I just break that off them right now. I break it off them. I destroy whatever, whatever the enemy's been trying to do. Because even throughout the week, sometimes people have had a rough week and the enemy just tries to oppress them. And it's my responsibility, I feel, as a pastor to destroy that and drive that back away. All right, so cancel the legal ground, destroy the works of the enemy. And now, number three is drive out the enemy. I love this scripture. Mark 16, 17. These signs follow those that believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. Did you know as a Christian, you have authority to drive out demons? Did you know that? Many, 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 many times, I have seen people, demonic spirits, leave people. There's so many stories I could tell, I don't even know where to begin. But many things that people struggle with in life, in their health, mental torment, night terrors, nightmares, Sexual bondages, emotional torment, irrational fears, various bondages to lust, various bondages to to substances, you name it, you get the idea. Most of the time, 99% of the time when you're dealing with those type of things, there's some kind of a spirit behind it. And we got to destroy those works of the enemy and drive that spirit out. And I'm concerned that we've slipped into a time where people now are not really moving the way Jesus did in a lot of churches. I guess they feel like that, and I'm, I say this disrespectfully, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I guess they think they're smarter than Jesus and they've improved on his technique. Then now they figured out a way to 12-step this thing out. Jesus didn't do endless counseling with demons. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil and drove it out. And that's why so many people are not really free. And they keep coming back like a revolving door with problems because they're not getting the ax laid to the root. So when you're driving out the enemy, let me encourage you to deal with the strong man first. Because if you don't drive out that strong man first, you're going to have a very difficult time getting rid of the others because they're under his authority. So deal with the strong man. 
The second thing I would say is, why are those, are those spirits there? They, they've come in and they've infested somebody's life. Why? How did they get in? Why are they there? And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Some demonic spirits are generational. They came in because of ancestral sin and iniquity, and consequently, because of the iniquity, there's a generational curse. And because of that curse, those spirits kind of ride that curse down the bloodline, and they try to infiltrate the life of descendants. And you have to deal with that. It's a generational thing. And the way that you deal with that is the same as I've mentioned, is you repent of the iniquity and the sins of your ancestors. The legal permission is canceled. Then you can destroy it. You can remove the curse and destroy the works of the devil. And then number three, you can drive out those spirits. Do you see how this works? But we have to deal with that legal ground. In most health battles, not all, but most health battles go back to a spirit of death or a spirit of infirmity. Most of them. Especially if it's chronic. And if you're dealing with a spirit of death, it's something that can lead to death. And it's something maybe incurable, things like that. Um, also, a spirit of infirmity. It just seems like something is chronic. It won't clear up. Even though it should, it seems like something is just there that prevents health. It's just a chronic thing, a frustrating thing. One little sick, sickness after the next, or maybe something that'll never heal. That is usually a spirit of infirmity. So the next couple things I want to mention is this. How did the enemy get access? How did he even get in there in the first place? Here's some things. Number one, I would mention that demonic things try to move in through trauma. And a lot of trauma will happen to children because they're kind of vulnerable. But it can be a trauma that happens to an adult, some emotional trauma, some psychological trauma, even a physical trauma, but the enemy tries to gain access through that traumatic event to begin to get in and then begin to set up camp and torment. The next thing that the enemy can gain access through is through things like being depressed and even suicidal. That can open the door to a spirit of death. And how many knows that when you're dealing with the spirit of death, it doesn't take a lot of invitations. The next thing I would mention is unforgiveness. If we're not quick to forgive, if we hold grudges and we, we harbor that unforgiveness and start getting bitter, the enemy can gain access through that unforgiveness and begin to set up camp in somebody's life. These are just some examples. It, this is not an exhaustive list. There's a lot of things I'm not saying. But I'm just trying to give you an idea Self-imposed curses. Let me just stop here for a moment and say, be very careful what you speak out of your mouth. Because the Bible says life and death are in the tongue. We have the power to bless or curse. You can speak so many things over yourself that will open the door to the enemy. People say things. I want to die. People say stupid. People call themselves an idiot. People speak things over themselves about going deaf or blind or or they hate this about themselves. They call themselves so ugly and they, they hate this. You know, for example, some, some woman 
throughout her youth or whatever is always saying how she hates her legs. Well, don't be surprised when she gets up in age a little bit, she has some health problems with her legs. Why? She cursed them over and over. Some people say, well, every time around this year, I deal with this. And they speak over themselves something. Well, sure enough, every time about this time every year, you probably will deal with something. Be careful what you speak over yourself and what you speak over other people. There was an example a minister gave that was a good example, so I'm going to give it. It's just kind of make-believe here, but let's say that there's a husband that marries this woman, he loves her, but she's, she's not a good cook. And he gets home after a really difficult time at work, and maybe things have gotten really bad at work. Maybe he's dealing with unbelievable pressure he's never dealt with before. Comes home, and the wife is, is trying to cook and not doing very good, and he's just frustrated. See, you got to be careful because as a husband, you have authority over your wife. A parent has authority over their children. A pastor has authority over the church. Realms of authority... If you're not careful, you can curse another person, and it can really affect them. So let's say this husband, he's just frustrated at work, and out of frustration, he kind of takes it out on his wife, and he just lashes out and says, you've never been able to cook. You'll never be able to cook. I don't understand this. And he just begins to speak all this negative stuff over her about her cooking. Well, he's cursed her. And he may even say something like, I'm, I'm sick of your cooking or something like that. Well... He's just cursed himself to be sick. And so don't be surprised if in the days to come he starts dealing with something like indigestion that he's never dealt with because he cursed himself. And now his, his little wife's trying to go in there and cook, and now she finds herself more than ever before that when she tries to cook, her hands start trembling. She's nervous. Why? Because not only was she not a good cook to begin with, but now she's dealing with a curse working against her. Every time she tries to do it, something is there. So be careful because things you speak have life and death in them. Be careful. Now, you can ask God to forgive you, and you can release yourself from things you've spoken over yourself and others, but just be careful because this area of blessings and curses is very serious. The next one I would mention is this, the sin, sin and disobedience. So this is how the enemy can gain access if you've, if you've lived in sin or disobedience. Let me give an example. Let's say that somebody decided one day that they're going to go to a fortune teller and they're going to have her read their palm or tarot cards or whatever, and now they're going to get her information for their future because they're wondering about if they're going to fall in love in the next year. So they go to Madam Whoever, and she's got all the garb on. She's got a little crystal ball. The incense is going, and they're in there. She's reading the palm and telling them all this mysterious stuff, breaks out the tarot cards. But what they don't understand is, is because they disobey God by going to a witch. A curse has just settled over them, and a spirit has entered their life now. And so because of disobedience, now they need to be released from a curse and delivered from something whether it's in, on, around them, but they've opened themselves up to darkness. Also, sexual sin. Somebody can have problems. They, they disobey the Bible, and they go and start having sex outside of marriage. They can open themselves up to spiritual problems, spiritual things, and get infested. And as I said, unforgiveness and also bloodshed. 
Obviously, somebody participating in an abortion or a violent crime or some kind of like a, a gang violence where they beat somebody half to death or whatever, they can open themselves up to being infested by spirits of murder and hatred and violence. So sin and disobedience. The next thing is it travels down bloodlines, generational sin and iniquity. And finally, strongholds of the mind. These are areas, people say, well, how did the enemy get access? How did he get in my life in the first place? You need to ask the Lord to bring things to your mind. Maybe it was that party you went to when you got totally drunk and don't remember what happened. Maybe it was when you shot up with drugs at a party. Maybe it was whenever you slept around. Maybe it was whenever you dabbled in the occult and you broke out the Ouija board at that party. How did the enemy gain access? Because of sin and disobedience to God. And it gave him legal permission. And so here's the last thing I want to say is once you're free, you've got to maintain that freedom. So once you cancel that legal permission, you get on your face, say, Lord, forgive me. Yes, I went to that party, and, and we did those drugs, and yes, we dabbled in the occult, and we slept around, and I know that I'm having spiritual problems now because of my sin. Lord, please forgive me. I repent. Let the blood of Jesus wash me, and I receive that forgiveness right now. And so now, step two, I take authority. I destroy every curse off my life. I release myself from every curse like a nasty garment. I pull it off me. I break every stronghold. Whatever the devil's had, I destroy it. And then number three, I bind those spirits that came into my life, and I command you in Jesus' name, you will leave my life tonight, right now, in the name of Jesus. And you drive them out. That's what you do. Once you get free, and sometimes people need help getting free, and I understand that. That's why this church should be able to deal with these things, but unfortunately a lot won't. But God has places. Some that are hearing this, if your church just won't deal with it, there are places out there that will. Find them, and they'll help you get free. If you feel that you're dealing with demonic stuff, there are people out there that can help you. So number five, maintaining freedom. Remember what Jesus said. He found the guy in the temple. See, you're well. Now stop sinning or something worse may come. So you need to stop sinning. So whatever you were doing that allowed the enemy access, we better stop doing those things. Amen? All right. And then Matthew 12, 43 says, Now when an unclean spirit leaves a person, it passes through dry places seeking rest and doesn't find it. Then this evil spirit says, I'll return to the house which I came. They will always try to come back. So once you get free, you're going to have to take a stand in your freedom. I refuse to receive anything back. You understand? And so they try to come back, and it says when it does, it finds it's unoccupied, swept, and put in order. And look at what the enemy tries to do. Then it goes and brings along seven other spirits, even more wicked than itself, and they come in and live there, and the last condition is worse than the first. That's why you've got to maintain that freedom. If you get somebody delivered, maybe they were in a satanic cult or something, and I've dealt with these type of people, and they come, and they want to be delivered, and you, you walk them through it. You cancel the legal ground, drive out the enemy, all that. They're free. They got delivered. 
But then their friends start pressuring them to come back and hang out with them, and they go back again. They get high. Next thing you know, they start participating in the same old garbage that they did before. Let me tell you, when they do that, they're in danger of it being even worse the next time it comes in their life. So number one is we need to walk in obedience to the Bible. Number two, stay away from compromise. I'm going to close with this right here, but I want you all to hear me. Compromise. Everybody say compromise. So I'm saying this to help people, and I'm saying this in love. But again, as I mentioned earlier in this, I've got more than two decades of praying with people, thousands of people. I've seen people in the power of God work in altars literally all over the world. I've prayed with people in other countries. I've prayed for people throughout this nation. I've had people from all kinds of backgrounds I've prayed with. I have, I've seen so many situations where people were delivered of things, okay? So I'm saying this because, number one, the Bible says it, and number two, because I've experienced things here. So I'm trying to help people. But let me just warn you about compromise. The Bible does not smile upon things like tattooing, piercing, and marking up your body. The Bible does not smile upon that. And I personally have prayed with people that have been delivered from things because of that very thing. Haven't we, Sandy? Multiple times. Now, I'm saying that to help people. It's your body. You want to go out and do it? That's your problem. But don't be surprised if you don't get infested with some things. Number two, ungodly substances. Drugs, alcohol, tobacco. And now since we're living in the end times and people are getting rebellious and they just want to do whatever and find a way to justify things like never before in the history probably of the body of Christ in some of these areas... But now they want to justify their alcohol and tobacco and even marijuana and things like that. Well, let me just tell you, the Bible does not smile upon bondages. It does not smile upon things that bring addiction. And my wife and I have prayed for countless people over and over and over again that have had to be delivered from alcoholism, addiction to tobacco, and addiction to drugs, and I'm just telling you, if, you've, if you have found, and I'm, I'm going to say this, I'm, okay, I'm collecting myself here. If you have found some goofy preacher that will tell you it's okay to drink and to smoke weed and all that, you need to get away from that person. I'm saying that in respect. I'm being nice. They're not a man of God. They don't know what they're talking about. Find another church. All right, so... We need to get away from these compromises. The next thing I would say is ungodly entertainment. Man, I have so many people, especially young people, I have prayed with them that they have, they have been affected by things that they watched and listened to, and they've been around in video games and movies, etc. Let me just tell you, be careful with this ungodly entertainment. Some of these musical groups, whether it be rock, whether it be rap, whether it be uh, R&B or whatever, there's some of them, not all, but some of them have a very strong spirit about them. And some of the shows and things that are out there, you don't need that in your life as a Christian. You don't need the nudity and the sex and things that cause lust in your life. Amen. You do not need all this witchcraft and occult stuff that's coming through there. I have ministered to people, even children, that have been affected 
by things that they've seen that were very scary or were associated with the occult or were sexual, that they shouldn't have been exposed to, but they were exposed to it and it affected them spiritually. And the Lord had to deliver them. So I'm just telling you to get away from that stuff. I've seen grown people that watch stuff that was like these horror movies and it really brought some kind of a fear in their life that God had to help them to get free of. There's a spirit about this stuff. So be careful with ungodly entertainment. And there's goofy stuff out there where people say that's just religious. Let me tell you something. Them ignoring the warnings of God, the warnings of the Holy Spirit, the warnings of the Word of God. For example, the Bible says to have no fellowship with darkness. Okay, doesn't it? Doesn't the Bible talk about how we're not to look with lust and all this? There's multiple scriptures. I could keep going on and on. The reason why people are saying that is to justify their sin. That's it. They want it, and they're going to find a way to justify it. And at the end of the day, it's rebellion. The next thing I would warn against, and I've been really shocked about this because I had no idea that this would find a way into professing Christians. I really never would have thought it. I guess I've known this for so long that that's why it surprises me. Why in the world would Christians in any way, shape, or form have anything to do with yoga? Now, I've known this for so long that, I I mean, I'm surprised that people, I guess, don't know it, but yoga means yoke, and it means to be yoked to the god Brahman, which is a Hindu god. All the postures, and people can say, here's what they do. People say, well, I pray to Jesus while I'm doing the postures. You know what they're doing, though? Their body postures are worship to Hindu demon gods. Yes, they are. And I remember Derek Prince, when he got saved, he had gotten mixed up in New Age and yoga, and God literally delivered him from a demon spirit that came in through yoga. And he went around warning people about it, and he tried to tell them. But see, the Bible gives us this example where there's certain physical things that we do. We clap our hands. We lift our hands to God. We shout. We dance. You know, we prostrate ourselves in our face before the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's given us postures and things to do with our body that is praise and worship directed at him. This is a satanic counterfeit. People sit in a lotus position. It is a kundalini spirit. It is something associated with divination. And as they blank, and not everybody necessarily does this, but that blanking out your mind is very dangerous. Don't think the enemy won't take advantage of that. When God tells you to meditate, he's talking about your mind being very active on the word, not blanking it out. That's dangerous. The second thing is, is this mantra. Surely Christians aren't doing this, but, you know, these Hindu leaders will give somebody a mantra. It's where they chant something over and over. It summons spirits. So this whole thing is nothing but repackaged Hinduism and New Age that has found its way into churches. But again, it's, you know, it's people, it's your body. If you want to do it, but don't be surprised if you don't get infested and have spiritual problems. I've seen people that that do these things and you, you try to minister and they... They struggle. Other people are free, but, you know, there's something there. And I'll tell you the last thing, and I move on. I'm, moving, I'm talking about compromise, but the wrong friends. 
Usually, if somebody really, truly gets saved, that's usually the first thing the Lord deals with. How many of you guys, when you really, truly got saved, how many of you guys started losing friends? That's the first thing God deals with. You know why? Because you don't need them anymore. And if you're really saved for real, they don't want to hang out with you anymore. Because <laughs> you're wanting to go to church, and they're wanting to do something else. So the wrong people, the things that you used to do, the compromise, you used to go to this bar on Friday night, you used to go to this club on Saturday night, you used to hang around these friends, and you used to do this. The key word here is I used to. But if you keep doing that, don't be surprised if that compromise doesn't end up dragging you down. So let the Lord deal with the compromise in our lives. I have seen, and I say this in love, but it's just concerning to me. I've seen so much worldliness creeping into the church. And I mean to tell you, going back, like, 80s and 90s, I was in church and raised. I never in a million years would have thought that I would see some of the things that are now in the church world. So, anyway, if you want to walk in freedom, repent of any compromise, don't return to the sin God delivered you from. Guard your mouth. Don't speak out over yourself and over others' things that will open a door. Guard your mouth. Use your authority. When something tries to come back, you know, Dr. Cho used to make me laugh. He said, don't receive the package. So when the devil tries to mail you a package, <laughs> don't sign for the package. You say that over and but it's, it's true. If the enemy tries to send something back to your house that you've been free from, don't receive it. Let me tell you the power of your mouth to say, in Jesus' name, let's say that you were delivered from something. And let's just pick something out of the hat that you were delivered maybe from something pornographic or something. And one day you're at home minding your own business, but something tries to come that is really strong. And you know that the devil is trying to bring something back. Don't receive it. What you need to say is, in, you need to say it out loud and get mad. You need to put your finger toward it and say, in Jesus' name, I bind you. I renounce any agreement with you. You will never enslave me again. I bind you. You will leave me in Jesus' name. You will not step foot in this home, and you will not be in my life, and you need to take authority over it and drive it out. Use your authority and renew your mind. You know, when you change a baby, you change a diaper. How many knows you don't just put a new diaper on the old? You think, well, I'll just snuff it out. You know, maybe if I put it, pack it in real good, nobody will smell anything. I'll just add another one. You don't do that. You've got to get rid of the old diaper, then put a new, right? When you're renewing your mind, don't think about the old junk. Let me tell you something. This battleground of the mind is real. Don't try to put a new diaper on an old, stinky way of thinking. What you need to do is if you've had bitterness in your mind that you keep dwelling on the people that's wronged you or you've or you've got hatred in your mind or you've got irrational fears in your mind or you've got lustful things in your mind whatever it is what you need to do is you need to just chunk that out of your mind and think about something else you need to change the diaper get the old pollution out and think on something else and the bible says in romans 12 that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And everybody probably knows this, but for the sake of those that might not, 
Transformed in the Greek is metamorpho, and it means like a metamorphosis, like a caterpillar to a butterfly. When you begin to live a life of a renewed mind, you're going to go from the caterpillar life to the butterfly life, which is completely different. The caterpillar is crawling along, has to climb over every obstacle, but the butterfly soars in freedom. Our minds, we've got to dwell on things that we need to be thinking on that are good, that are wholesome, and don't dwell on things in your mind that you don't need to be thinking about. If you've forgiven somebody, quit dwelling on what they did. Whatever it is, old ways of thinking. And let me, let me say this as the last thing, is that every day, just for me personally, not that people have to do this, but I recommend it, Every day when I have my prayer time with the Lord, one of the things that I do is I take communion and I bring my family and I get a, you know, a big size piece of matzah and I get some extra juice because I'm going to do this multiple times, but I bring my, my life and my family under the blood and I quote scripture after scripture after scripture. Lord, I think, and I take this with you guys so you're familiar with how to do this, but Lord, I bring my family under the blood. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says, the blood of our Passover lamb has been shed. Lord, I bring me and my family, our health, finances, relationships, everything under the blood. Our, our health is under the blood, our travels, the works of our hands, everything. And the enemy cannot steal, kill, destroy because we're under the blood of our lamb. And I quote scripture. I quote scripture about healing. I quote scripture about deliverance, that we are free. And I bring us under the blood, and I speak the word of God. And as you speak the word of God, let me tell you what's happening. It's hindering the enemy, but it's also releasing the activity of God's angels to enforce God's word. Remember that. Because the Bible says this, they hearken to the word of the Lord. When you're speaking out the scriptures, you're, you're speaking the word of God over your life and over your circumstances, it is actually activating the holy angels to begin to enforce the word of God in the earth. But when you stop doing that and you start speaking negative and curses and you're all having a pity party and you're just speaking all this negative stuff, it causes the activity of the holy angels to grind to a halt. And now it activates the demonic realm to begin to make all those negative things start happening. We've got to stop the negative thinking and the negative speaking and start meditating on God's word and speaking the word of God. And holy angels will back up God's word. They won't necessarily back up your opinion. They won't necessarily back up every little thing you want. But how many knows they will back up the word of the Almighty? Yes, they will. So anyway, tonight I hope this has been a blessing to you guys. We're going to pray for people. And let me just close this with prayer. And I really want to pray for people tonight. I feel the anointing. Lord, I thank you for this awesome time tonight we've had so far. And Lord, let this word get in us. Help us, Lord, to find, show us what we're dealing with, why are we dealing with it, and how to get the victory. What are we dealing with, Lord? If there's areas, Lord, bring things to our understanding. Bring things up. Reveal it to us. Some things may go back in generations. Some things may go back to childhood. Some things may go back to our sinful past. But why is it there? Lord, help us to see all this dismantled because the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil and to bring freedom to the captives. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
and shut down recordings and just play something. I want to move chairs. And here in just a moment, though, let me say this. I want the younger generation, all those under 30, I want them right up here. 